This is episode 10 with Stefano Tripney on Ancestral Health Radio. Learn to align your genetic makeup for peak health, fitness, and longevity with actionable how-to advice from today's leaders in nutrition, movement, and lifestyle. Join me, your host, James Kevin Broderick, as we bridge the divide between modern technology and our inherent ancestral wisdom. Let's take a walk on the wild side. Is the world your dojo? It most certainly is for today's guest, contextual movement coach Stefano Tripney. If the two words contextual movement throw you off a bit, no worries. Stefano explains exactly what that is and how it can apply to you and your day-to-day. He also shares his early experiences with coaching and a bit of the history that led him to where he is today. Stefano blends both the disciplines and philosophies of martial arts and the natural movement skills of MoveNat. I've taken an excerpt directly from the MoveNat website, which reads, MoveNat is a school of physical competence for the real world. Our goal is to equip people with the movement skills, physiological preparedness, both strength and conditioning, and mindset necessary for practical, adaptable performance, both fundamental and high level. So in today's episode, expect to learn the proper progression dojo Stefano recommends to help avoid injury from exercise after years of sedentism, why Stefano recommends we live furniture-free lifestyles, and why we need to keep our mindsets in beta, and much, much more. Stefano Tripney is a contextual movement coach, level three MoveNat and combatives trainer, martial artist, personal protection and awareness educator. Stefano creatively bridges the inner workings of the mind and body with our collective external landscapes in order to explore, learn, experience, and play with the world and our place in it. He is known for his bright energy and ability to inspire mindful execution, technical skill, physical competence, limitless creativity in his clients and classes. In 1999, I started uh, at a gym that I was working close to. Started going there and noticed that they didn't have a martial arts program. Whoa. What happened, right? Well, um, just to let you guys know, I obviously am not a pro editor or a music engineer or anybody with these type of skills. So I don't even know what I did, but I somehow, again cut off the beginning of this episode. So forgive me, it was maybe just like the first question that I asked, which is, who are you and what is it that you do? Editing is one of the worst things for me. So again, uh, I'm just a one man show here, but thank you. Here's the rest of the episode. Put together a proposal. They loved it. I started, but then what I started realizing is that the people I was working with, they were, they were missing out on just elements of like physicality. So they weren't Maybe they weren't strong enough. They didn't have good mobility. They just couldn't really move or generate power. So I kind of hacked that, pretending that I knew what I was doing. (laughs) What I ended up sort of observing was the way that you'd move and thinking about ways that I could mimic that the best way possible, so as close as I could, and start to start building strength in a very practical manner. And that's really what sort of kicked it off. So... I kept that going and I found some good mentors in the industry, people that took me under their wing and showed me a lot of different things. Um, and uh, that got me into the industry, started working as a, working on classes and then personal training and then small groups and, and 
just went along in that trajectory. You know, even though I had a lot of classically trained mentors and was working in a contemporary gym, I, I still knew that there's just something that wasn't really there. And man, I wasn't, you know, I was like you too. I, like, my older brother was into bodybuilding and so I had like, Flex magazine and muscle and fitness and that's <laughs> kind of all I knew too, right? It's like, and so I, I did that, but you know there was uh, there was all this other weird stuff that I would do, just want to make things up and see if it would work. And uh, man, it, it actually kind of did, you know, some of the things. So I was working on like quadrupedal patterns before I even knew the word quadrupedal. Uh, I was working a lot of crawling patterns and just getting to do like really weird things and plyometrics. And I didn't really know what I was doing at that time, but okay. you know. So the proof was in the pudding, and then the people I was working with, they were just moving a lot better. They were starting to develop better strength, better mobility, and they are just all around better martial artists at that time. So I just kind of kept that going. A quick story is I actually, I actually fell out of it. I was very passionate about training, and then I found a job, a fellowship program in Italy, and that's what took me away. So I'd already put 10 years in Calgary, building up this reputation of being this kind of weird gym guy, and I just left. I put my life on hold. I wanted to try something new. I wanted to learn a language. I wanted to immerse myself in a different culture, so I moved. But the, the funny thing is, on my last couple of years there, I joined this little tiny gym called Energy Gym. Started going there, and the trainers and some of the people there were watching this Canadian kid. So-so with the language at that time, not very strong. But uh, I had a few come up to me and they say, so what are you, uh, what are you training for? And I just, that life, man. Just training life. for life. Kind of look me up and down and say, oh, cool, va bene, va bene. And then they leave me alone. And But I noticed that happen again and again. And the trainers especially, they'd be sort of working with their clients and looking at me at the mm-hmm. corner of their The next week I would come, they would be doing my routines. Get out of here. And then the next week I'd come, they're teaching their clients my routines. And they're showing all these movements that I've been doing. So I thought that was hilarious. And so they actually just sort of opened the doors for me and showed me where the equipment cupboard is. Like, oh, Stefano, you can just whatever you want here. This is good. Can you show me this thing? And so yeah. I showed them some things. <laughs> and, then, and, and they just gave me like VIP treatment at the gym. It was really cool. And, but this is also the time where I was, I was kind of saying to myself, like, you know, I, I want to move away from this. I've been doing this for a while. I want to try something new. But man, I got sucked right back into it again. And in a big way. So it sort of validated and confirmed that, that life path at that time. So yeah. I thought, Imitation is the greatest form of flattery, right? I, I was very flattered, yeah. So when I got back to Calgary, so this is uh, after three years there abroad, I went in just to say hello to the old gym I was working at, and they mm-hmm. just said, oh, my God, you have to come back because uh, you know we've got this, this new class that's starting up, and I think you'd be perfect for it. So that's what I was doing. So I, 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 I didn't, I wasn't looking for it. It just sort of found me again. So I jumped back into that uh, with a different type of mindset this time. And I just kind of went for it, you know? Having that experience over there and having the validation from the other trainers, what exactly did you bring back with you to your new training? Well, I just saw just how dated and outmoded the, mm. the gym setting was. Like, I really saw for what it was. I, I mean, and, and this is uh, I, what I saw. But, when I was living in, in Europe, it was it was also a little bit, uh, it was just still catching up to where we are in North America, you know, oh, okay. so I, it was like this kind of time capsule, it's like, oh, so when I got back, still, I still saw remnants of that, and, and there was this archaic thing going on still, like it was mad, like people still, for 
80% of the time, they're still looking in the pages of Muscle and Fitness and Flex Magazine to get their inspiration, mm -hmm. you know? It was like, eh. So I, I jumped in and I started doing that again. And then it wasn't very long after, actually. It was like 2013 that uh, came across MoveNet. I, I immediately recognized that that was all of the things that I wanted to do, a lot of the things that I was sort of already doing, mm -hmm. but with a brand new lens, they put the time and the thought in to make a wonderful system and a methodology that was just, it was, it was consistent and it put everything in together. It was a real package. And I thought that that's it. That's, that's the thing that I was looking for. So I started, uh, started doing that, you know, as well. Maybe for people that aren't familiar with MoveNet, maybe this is the first time hearing about that. Obviously, MoveNet means move naturally. However, what is the methodology of MoveNet? Can you maybe break that down for us? Yeah, I mean, there's a textbook uh, explanation, right? It's, uh, it's basically building um, you know, self-awareness and uh, competency. So physical competency through the practice of the full spectrum of natural movement skills. Like that, that, That's everything, though, man. It, it is and it isn't. So, I mean, there, there is a bit of a caveat there. Um, so what we look at is it, it could be starting with just ways of moving from a supine position to a prone position on the ground when you're laying down. It could be um, working mobility through seated or kneeling positions. Um, it could be getting up or down from the ground. Mm -hmm. It walking running, jumping, vaulting, climbing. It's all of these things. And it's swimming, and it's, there's a combative element as well. But it's about practical skill sets. It's about being incredibly adaptive to your environment and very mindful of what you're doing. And all of these things culminate into uh, really in enabling you to be incredibly efficient at what you do. Tie into high-level athletics. It could tie into just the everyday person at home that just wants to feel the, the ability just to, to play with their kids, to engage with the world around them. It can be a lot of things, you know, so it's a big question. I was just thinking that when it comes to my training modality, the first thing that I always want to be good at is moving and being flexible. Mobility is strength coupled with flexibility. And I was raised by my grandmother and my family had host of different medical and physical conditions. And that's what I always noticed. Just like you say in your website, I wanted to be a more capable human. You know, I wanted to be strong, flexible, and I wanted to have that carry out through the rest of my life. But I always see that mobility for me always seems to be like the, the foundational piece. That's, that's where everybody begins. When you're starting with a client, do you ever, do you screen them first? Is that how it works to see if there's any, any areas that they're lacking and then you work on them that way more specifically, or is it a fully integrative program? Oh, no, of course. They are screened in a way, uh, and everyone sort of tackles that a little bit differently. There are a few things that I'll have them do. I mean, first, it's just a little verbal communication. You know, do you have any injuries or the things that are bugging you? What would you like to get out of this? Mm. Then we'll just start working on some things. I mean, it's a very different approach when I'm working one-on-one -on -one because I can kind of, I can see where the issues lay and then I can sort of push them in one direction. If they respond positively and things are good, I'll just push them a little bit further and we'll see where they get to. If something starts coming up that maybe we need to digress a little, then that's what we'll have to do. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I, 
you know, another thing about Moodnet, I mean, through my martial arts background, and I, I think it's important to talk about, the, I had a, a pretty pretty vast array of martial arts, um, and so I, I got to see a lot. And what happened for me is, I, you know, I got actually around in the, in the 90s, I became a bit of a seminar junkie. So I would go and I would travel and train with people, um, you know, and at that time, they were the big names, you know. So I would go and I'd learn from them. So I, I sort of amassed and accumulated all of these different skills and techniques and the, the vernacular for all these, these mm-hmm. things. And some of these more esoteric arts and, and others at the time were a little bit more popular. I mean, this is, again, this is like the 90s, 92, 93. This is when uh, UFC came out. So I, I jumped on, um, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time. Mm-hmm. And so fragmented. It was it was. You know, I mean, at least what I saw, uh, you know, I, I loved it. But what happened was I was fortunate enough to meet a guy in Tacoma, Washington, named Kelly Warden. And what he did for me is he kind of, he said, look, Stefano. Well, it was more like, look, Stefano. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a big, gruff American guy. But he kind of made me throw all these things out on the table. He says, look, I want you to understand that you've got all these things and that's good. But what I'm going to show you is how they're connected. So I'm going to connect the dots. And so it's no longer skills. It's, it's really just the, the, the overlay of philosophy and, um, and the, uh, the, the principles that I want you to understand. And once you do that, it's like a master key. You can just unlock all of the potential of them. It's like, oh, my God, I'm like, mind blown. Nuvnad did the same thing for me. It laid out all these things. It's like, look, Stefano, this is what you've been doing. But, you know, this is how it can become more cohesive. And so it really cleaned up a lot of stuff. And so because of that, I was able to get rid of some of the garbage that I've been doing and then enter in a lot more streamlined um, and, and directed skill sets. It just made a lot more sense to me, you know. It's like it's like that's like that old proverb. You have to empty the cup before you fill it. Like you know, I've, I've emptied that cup a lot of times, you know, and, and thought that I was filling it up the right way. But so anyway, that's that's the two. That's how they meshed, you know. So it uh, it's that sort of uh, connecting the dots idea from your mentor that you had before MoveNet. What piece of advice did he give you that just kind of blew your mind up? He was brilliant in the sense that he was able to look at classical martial arts and put a brand new practical lens and bring it back to the 21st century and put a lens on it like no other. So when you used to watch like old kata, you'd see these like forearm blocks and inside turning blocks. What he really showed me was like, this is actually all still legit. You just need to apply it a little bit differently. And so the way he applied it was a, a mixture of, uh, you know, non-classical Kung Fu, Filipino martial arts, which was my baby for years. I really took to that. And uh, he just showed me how to bridge the two. And he says, like, this, this is not outdated. This is classical, and I'm just going to breathe life into it. Let me show you how. And he did, man, and he blew my mind. Oh, that's awesome. And so it's the same thing. It's the crossover. It's like a movement is, is just a movement. It's, it's really the intent that you have in the environment that you're in. Make it contextual, make it practical, and depending on what you need to do and what that environment dictates, that's how you're going to have to wrap. So it's incredibly adaptive. Oh, I love that. And obviously, that, that's exactly one of the main keys here at Ancestral Health Radio is how do we become a more capable or more adaptive human? And that leads me into the next question, which is, what does being a more capable human to you specifically mean? I think that it just boils down to being a mindset. Mm. You know, I, I, I keep sort of ruminating on this fact, but before it takes form, 
in any sense outwardly. It, it's really just an internal internal process. So being, it's all those things about being practical, uh, building a practical skill set. But I mean, that doesn't have to be anything that really serves you. I mean, I, in one sense, it's it's directed self-learning. Let's say, it's also being incredibly disciplined. Um, in immersing yourself in whatever subject that you're that you're trying to do and learn. Um, it's about putting yourself in that source of finding that authority, finding that source, dropping your ego, going in like a newborn, like a newbie, like a baby, mm-hmm. and uh, you're in that, and, you know, you set all those things up, and it's a great formula for learning. Um, so that's partly what I've done. If I wanted to learn something, I've just dropped it, dropped all the things that I had going on and went and did it. And uh, it's been profoundly beneficial and very rewarding and uh, authentic at the same time. You know, that's that's one of the things I want people to get away from this episode too is that it's dirt time. You and I, we both need quality dirt time. Getting out there, not only just listening to one of these podcasts, but perhaps connecting with Stefano, looking into one of his classes if you're in his area, making sure that you're out there. And if you're interested, don't just put it to the back of your mind. Write it down, put it in your pocket, look at it later, and take action. You know, make that call, send that email, listen to the podcast, read the article, but then take the next step. And that's, you know, you really have to make contact with that person. And and, and you may be pleasantly surprised at uh, if you come in and you're genuine, how it's going to be received. So I know that there are certain people that are drawn towards what I do and what I create. There's a certain group of people more than others. And I'm sure with your client base, do you see that there is a typical person or a, a mindset coming into your style of training when, when people are seeking you out? I think curiosity. I think they're wondering, you know, what what is that guy doing? I mean, I attracted a lot of clients in my old job. Um, just because they, they, they saw the things that I was doing and they'd see the things that I was doing with my clients and how they were progressing and, and how much fun we were having through the process. I, I'm not a slave driver, you know. I'm very, very gentle. Um, I, I, I put a lot of uh, onus on the, on the individual, but, man, like, it, we're, we're playing, but there's still discipline. Mm-hmm. Structure. You know, you need to earn the progression. You know, you have to respect the process. And very often we return to the basics and keep going on that foundation. Without that, there's nothing, you know. And it's hard to see the development as well. It's like if you think, uh, if you think of like, uh, you know, if uh, a new development of a building, man, there's a hole in the ground for months and months and months, right? And you don't really see what's happening. They got some rebar in there. They start building that concrete foundation. They start with the wiring, but then all of a sudden, bam, there's a platform, and that's the foundation. And when that's done, things just get built on top of that, and it's solid. And that's what you need, and you need to keep returning back to that. Um, so that's that's important. And um, it kind of works like a wheel, you know, like a wheel within a wheel. It's like it kind of goes around. You're always going to come back to that bound, that foundation. But the thing is, is every time you come back to it, you're going to see it differently for what mm-hmm. it is at that time, at that moment in time. Because when you see it for the first time, it's going to make a little bit of sense. But when you return back to it with the accumulation of all of the new information that you have, the new, um, the new like feeling that you have proprioceptively and that like, kinesthetic awareness, like, when you come back to that the next time, just like, 
oh, it makes sense. And then you apply that same lens to it again on the second, third, fourth, hundredth time. Man, it's, it becomes your new normal. And that's really what I want. So my, to kind of to answer the next question, my, my typical, uh, typical client or the typical person I work with, eh, there isn't any. Um, mm-hmm. They've, they've saw something that maybe they that triggered them, something that they wanted to achieve with themselves. And so, man, I, I've got, uh, you know, I've worked with teenagers uh, that just want to get a little bit better at their sport. I work with, uh, you know, and that can be for anything. Maybe it was uh, like a mobility or strength. But I also had people come to me just because they wanted to just build a little bit more of uh, a toughness, a mental toughness, mm. a little bit more aggression. So I'd work with them on that. And then uh, I'd have, you know, 40, 50, 60-year-old clients come. And uh, kid you not, man, I, I worked with a guy named Walter and for three years. And I did a workshop. And Walter came to the workshop. And uh, he was 52, I think, 52 at the time. And, man, he outperformed the 20-year-olds in the class. Oh, nice. And because he had nothing to base it on before, I really thought that at that time, I, I almost got a tear in my eye, you know, just seeing him move. Uh, you know, in the back of his mind, he was just thinking, yes, like fist pump. Yep, uh, I got this. It really felt good. And uh, so that was a good affirmation for him. And uh, so I have a lot of people that uh, worked in uh, oil and gas and recovery. Of course, that's you know the number one industry. But they would come. And so they're they're sitting behind a desk all the time. Mm, okay. They're stuck in their cubicles. So I would work on them. And a lot of the things that I gave for them is, was with the hour in the gym. But, man, we know that's not enough. You know, that's 4% of your day. So what do you do for the other 96? So I'd give them homework. I'd try and convince them to go to minimal shoes. I'd really try and coax them into not sitting down as much. You know, if they decided to throw away their couch like I did, great. Um, is it necessary for them? I, I don't know. You know, but they've got their own lifestyle they, uh, that they're uh, – that they're comfortable with, but it's the little things that add up over a long time that make the biggest difference. Um, biggest success story uh, comes out of uh, a Dutch Dutch guy. Uh, his name is Benjamin. Benjamin had a man. He's a he's a cool kid. 18 years old when we started training together, and he has high functioning autism. Oh, okay. And he's just absolute wizard with history like he loves all things ancient history so we would jam on so for him it was all about imagination and play so what we would work on um, I would create a sort of a scene you know it's like okay Benjamin like they're uh, you know this is this is the jungle sitting and you know we're gonna need to swing from this platform you know this rolling log and we need to get over there and then we're gonna have to do this thing we have to crawl into there and you're gonna have to dive roll and so but, but at first you have to understand, like, he was not really interested in physical training at, at all. You know, he's like very standoffish. He had a temper. Um, he would lash out. So that's where the discipline came in. So I was like, no, like, that's not going to fly with me. I'll put you on timeout. And once he got that, then we'd start moving a little bit more. And I'd just start adding more and more skills to him. Before you know it, man, the kid was flying. He loved it. He, he attacked it. You know, all that passion that he had for the rest of these other facets of his life, he applied directly to this time that we had together. Now, here's the success story. So, again, he did not really, he wasn't, you know, he didn't, 
didn't really jive on the, on the physical training thing. So sort of in tandem with me, he started getting involved in figure skating. Oh. Got in, made it to uh, the cities, right? City championships, nailed it. Moved on to the regionals, nailed it. Wow. On to the provincials, same thing. And then uh, now he's actually, I think, March. So next month, he's going to be going and representing Canada at the Special Olympics. Oh, wow. Right? And so, and, and, and that was, you know, same thing. Man. I, like, I couldn't be prouder for him. Um, is that my doing? No, it's his doing. He did the work. You know, uh, I, I guided him. I opened the doors for him. I, I tried to foster and develop a love for physical fitness from mm-hmm. him. And, and he did the work. So that's what it sounds like. I feel like a lot of people are missing is that element of play. I spent a little time last year in San Francisco with Rafe Kelly of Evolve Move Play. And we were in the park and we were climbing trees, doing parkour, roughhousing, rolling around on the ground. And it was, it was interesting because the type of coaching was for me, at least it was go do this. I'm going to allow you to fail. And then when you fail, then that's when I'm going to pick you up and tell you what you could do better. And it was a very interesting um, experience for me. But it was crazy because I considered myself a fairly in-shape individual. I work in a warehouse. I'm physically fit. And I try to get my little movement sessions in every possible way that I can there, whether that's squatting, hanging, climbing on all on things I probably shouldn't. But I do it anyway because I know how important it is. But for me, it's that play element. You know, that's what gets me motivated and out there and wanting to do it. And the idea that it does cross over to every aspect of your life. I love being out doing hikes. That's my thing. I love being out in the ancient growth redwoods here in the Bay. I need things that are are real world applicable to me to be able to move, just like you said, within the environment that I need it to. You know, lifting weights, it just, it doesn't feel, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. A lot of, and there are a lot of questions in there. I think the first thing is to understand that as good as it is to be formless and to be free, I think you can only truly appreciate that by going through disciplined and structured format first. Um, otherwise, you're going to be spending a lot of time spinning your wheels, mm. which might work for some people, but I think it could become dangerous if uh, you've got somebody that's been, and maybe they were. Uh, very active at a younger age, and then they were sedentary for a while, and then they go back expecting themselves to perform at the same level. It may or may not happen, but in the best case scenario, everything's fine, but in a a worst case scenario, they get hurt, Mm -hmm. and injury is going to lead to more sedentarism and uh, start to build a fear of actually doing it again. So I'm big on structure to start. I'm big on um, providing you a safe environment to start. So for me, I've got three arenas primarily. Uh, Start you off in a clean, safe, dry, super predictable environment. That could be a gym. Uh, It could be a gym, your home gym. It could be be a lot of things. It doesn't have to be a gym. Just be a space. But at least there... All of the other variables are taken care of. So you can just focus on what it is that you're doing, how you're moving, how you're responding, that internal feeling that that come, the connection between the internal and the external. Then we start to increase the complexity. The the, the complexity of the movements that you're doing, also the complexity of the environment that you're in. So maybe you could then transition that to an outdoor space. 
And that outdoor space, first off, could be an urban environment, right? So now it's like curves and you've got some, you know, some walls to play with. You've got some things to jump over. But now it's like, dude, there's sand on the ground. There's, uh, so it's going to be a little bit slippery. There's like, there's rain you got to contend with. You know, there's, uh, um, there's, there's broken glass. And, uh, and by the way, this is the same thing that, that Kelly Warden showed me. It's like, dude, like if you're training in the dojo, that's one aspect. But as soon as you take this outdoors, you've got to contend with a whole other set of variables. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. So for me, the the dojo is the gym. Then you take those skills outside. And when you progress beyond that urban space, that's when you're in a natural environment. And, and that could be a forested area. It could be a beach. It could be all of these things. But now, man, you're dealing with an onslaught. A very unpredictable contextual demands, right? Whether it's the situation or the environment. So now that rock that you were jumping on has got some slime on it, you know? Um, it, maybe it's not even supported. You go jump on that log and it's like, well, it's rolling, dude. Um, or it's, it's wet, so it's got to be slick. All of these things, you really need to learn how to adapt. But how do you do that? It's the principles. Because you can't have a skill for inside and then a separate skill for outside. It's just you're applying the principle differently. So as long as you keep the skills or the, the principle set that is simple to understand, which is what MoveNet has done, mm -hmm. they've taken away the guesswork. Here's a, you know, that's, that's the big thing. They've taken away the guesswork. They've had, this has been uh, developed over a long time with a lot of input from really intelligent people. And it's sort of been condensed down to something that's, that's very approachable and simple to teach, simple to understand. And again, it's that foundation. Once you get that, boom! to blow it up so that you know instead i now i make this joke it's like well the world is the world is my dojo so i treat every training space with this same reverence and the same respect and so you bring that mindset bringing it back to like what more capable human is it's that mindset that you apply it's that filter that you apply sometimes i call it obstacle optics it's just being able to see something for what it is and also what it could be, what it could represent. And it could be many different things at different times, right? So again, it comes down to context, which is why I, I kind of call what I do contextual movement for, for a lack of a better term, but whether no, that sticks or I, not. I love that idea. That's a that's a great perspective. And, you know, just to, to speak on that a little bit, it sounded like you were speaking directly to me. Kid who was athletic before became sedentary and then try to jump right back into it. And I didn't finish the rest of that story. It was, so there was a two day event on the second day in the middle of the day, I should have been listening to my body, but on the first day I injured myself and I hurt my back. And on the second day I was like, ah, you know, it's just a little twinge. It's not a big deal. And it became huge inflammation in my back. And I had to take off a whole week of, of work. I had to make sure that I didn't re-injure myself. But again, you know, that the event? The event that I went to, yeah. I mean, I, I actually had to quit midday the second day on the beach. You know, we're weathering the elements. It was raining and whatnot, but um, I actually injured my back. I wasn't physically prepared, and I didn't necessarily have the skill set. But, of course, me being me, I want to go full bore and really push myself. It didn't work out as well as I had hoped. But, I, you know, I loved the training and, and what Rafe was doing and everything, and it was absolutely amazing. I would do it again. But I also love the idea that you have these different quote unquote dojos that you can train in and that it is a progression. And I like that because everybody is on their own spectrum. Everybody comes into whatever they're into at different areas. So I love the idea that you can start in a very controlled environment and then work your way out into a very unpredictable one. 
Yeah, man, it's like martial arts, you know, it's like movement martial arts. You really have to earn the progression. You have to earn the right in order to move on. And, and it's only there for your own safety. Yeah, it just, it's strange to me, though, you know, when you're like, my right is being outside, and I, I need to be outside. I feel it, and I know it, and that this is what I loved doing when I was a kid. How come I can't just go out there and do it? Now, you know, in my 30s, whoa, I go down and I do one of my little movements on the ground and I hear a pop in my knee or something. Oh no, you know, I need to watch out. Yeah, so it's building that uh, physical competency, physical literacy, however you want to describe it. And uh, and man, and, and I'll, I'll, I won't stop anyone from taking this outdoors. It's just right. you have to understand where your limitations are. And uh, you can sort of push gently through some things, but when you get this relationship with your body and understanding, then there's actually a lot of things that you can do. You can go and do some amazing things. Um, it's just that you need to know when to reel it back. And that comes through mm -hmm. experience. And like I talked about, if you can take away all those other variables, then you can create dialogue with your body. And you'll start to notice when things aren't necessarily ticking the way that you'd like. So you know how to just ease off a little bit. But I, I encourage people to get out in nature. I mean, I could wrap on for, uh, for hours about the benefits of getting into nature and uh, forest bathing. Shinrin yoku. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's absolutely get out there. Get out there. Just know when you need to mitigate risk and danger. Yeah. I think, you know what? I love that idea, though. If you haven't been out playing in nature, for quite some time, it might be a good idea to just set up a little safe space in your house and, you know, work through a couple basic motions, a couple mobility drills, because I think that would have helped me a lot. Again, I didn't know my limitations because I hadn't been moving for so long. Yeah, check your balance. You know, balance for me is the cornerstone of everything that we do. If you don't have any balance, then it's just a matter of time. So that brings me into another good question is how exactly would we build this type of space or environment for ourselves in our homes? Uh, throw your couch away. <laughs> I, you know, I, I make it kind of sound like a joke, but uh, we, we gave our couch to a friend. Uh, wow, we were gifted a, a couch when we moved back from Europe. And uh, we used it for a minute. And uh, it, was, it was more like a filling space kind of thing. You know, it's like you get this big empty room. And it's like, well, obviously you get some furniture. Um, so we went the other route. We just got rid of that, and then we got rid of our box spring, we got rid of our chairs, and we got rid of our kitchen sets, and just just gave it all away. And uh, we've been just sitting on the floor. So the act of getting up and down off the floor all day is uh, is incredibly beneficial. Like it takes care of all that mobility stuff because. Man, we didn't have mobility drills, dude, when we were, you know, evolving as our human yeah. species. Like, we didn't have that stuff. We just did it out of necessity because we didn't have the, the modern luxuries. We didn't have these appliances and technologies that we did. And, and furniture is a technology. It yeah. just made our lives simpler, you know? So, uh, and a shout out to Katie Bowman on that. I mean, like, that was that was her influence, you know? Like, I've got, I've got my kind of key people that I have huge respect for and got a lot of information like knowledge dumps and all these oh duh aha of course moments yeah you know and there's a lot of them out there um so i'm just sort of wrapping off on things that i learned from her and the inspiration that i got from her in that camp 
Yeah, we're actually trying to get her on the podcast as well to speak about exactly how we can make that transition into a furniture-free apartment or home or anything like that. I'm in the same boat. I sleep on the floor. We have a small, tiny floor table, and we do everything off of the floor, just like you. I recommend everybody as well try and go furniture-free and minimal. Yeah, and, and you know, along with that, also in terms of going out while you hurt yourself, it's a cautionary note, and it's uh, too much too soon. So there, there is a... You want to gradually introduce these things. So if you need uh, pillows or bolsters or blocks, or if you just want to slowly lower the, the surface that you're on, just do so. Take your time. Like, there's no rush. I, honestly, we went. it took us a long time for us to adapt to sitting in a chair. So it's going to take a long time to adapt ourselves and to not. So allow the time. Allow the process to occur. Don't go too fast, too soon. Because the same thing is going to happen. You know, it's a familiar tale that too much too soon. Remember Princess Bride? Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite romantic comedies. Right. Okay. So the main character, when he had uh, the, the Battle of Wits. I, I can't remember the character's name. Wesley. Had the right. Wesley. And then who was the guy um, that he had to have that like that? Uh, I know who you're talking about. I forget that character. He has the lisp, the short little man who, who was with the giant. Yeah. A brilliant, brilliant actor. So do you remember how he won the day? He it was the, oh, the poison, drinking the poison. The right? Iocane. <laughs> so how did he do it? Right? It's, it's a process called hormesis. He adapted slowly, little bit by little bit. He would take a little bit of poison on the first day, and a little bit more on the second, and then a little bit more on the third until he built up this tolerance, until he was able to take a shot glass across from him drink down that entire cup of poison with no ill effect, right? But what did it take? It took a long process. Man, he had been training for that moment for years, mm -hmm. right? And he didn't get hurt because it was little bits, little bits at a time. So that is the strategy that we want to employ and not take that shot of poison without having any type of immunity to it because you know what happens then. It would have been a very different movie, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it would have been over right then and there. That's funny that you bring that up. I had never really, you know, I have that movie and I never thought about that scene really in the context of hormesis. But yeah, that that's a very common topic that comes up on the show very regularly is that the idea of acute environmental stressors built up over a long period of time can make a huge difference in our well-being. It's a transition, right? And we started that process of learning how to sit in a chair when we went to school. We didn't do it much, and then you go to school, and then all of a sudden you're sitting in it for six, eight hours a day. Mm -hmm. And the yeah. older you get, the more they want you to sit. Right. That comes down to transition, right? And that's something that the myself and, and other guests on the podcast like talking about is this idea of creating this type of transition culture. You know, so anywhere from transitioning our apartments to making that more ancestral or rewild or however you want to define that to transitioning our health and our relationships and our community with our land. Maybe you could give us some other ways that you personally are making this transition for yourself outside of your movement, which obviously is the main modality that this year personally that I want to take into the next level is, is my movement. I'm the, I'm the food guy. I now need to take my movement more into my hands. That's why towards the end of the year last year, I did that program. And um, hopefully this year, I'm going to be doing a little bit of training with Frank Forensich, if you're familiar with his work at, over at Exuberant Animal. And um, yeah, is, is there any other areas in your life that you're uh, rewilding right now? Perfect that you said that. Like uh, I got 
a chance to hang out with Daniel. Uh, he, and it's funny, I didn't really know what he was all about when we first met. We did a movement course down in Houston together, and I was introduced to his work through another friend of mine, Morgan, who's got a great tagline as well. He says, he told me the best thing, and it really plays into what we're talking about. He's like, dude, you just got to have, you know, you got to live your life like, um, you know, you're always in beta. I was like, oh, that's really clever, you know? So you're constantly in transition. That's the message. So we are always, don't kid yourself, we are always in transition. We're not the same person. Well, some some people may be, but we're not the same person that we were yesterday or last week or certainly not last year or when we were in uh, you know high school or elementary school. We're very different people now. We've gone through a whole process of change. So we're transitioning all the time just to meet the demands of this changing culture that we're in too, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the rewilding thing, that was big when uh, when I, I finally kind of learned more about what he was doing, what he was all about. And uh, he's a great example, again, as somebody that's transitioning and keeping himself relevant and just going on that path. So, yeah, he's a constant uh, stream of influence for me. Um, so it's, it's funny that you brought that up. But that's uh, where I find myself now, too. So for those of you who don't know, I mean, I, who knows really anything about my life, but I moved – I've moved a lot. Uh, little town in northwestern Ontario that I was talking about when I was a kid and had you know access to the, the wilderness all the time. And I'd spend tons of time out there. And then I moved uh, – I wanted to learn how to snowboard, so I moved to Whistler. I'm like, this is great. This is as far away as my little, my little town as I can get to geographically speaking in, in Canada. Almost, almost. And I wanted to learn how to snowboard because I saw like pictures on like snowboard magazine and Shredder and all that. I was like, this is rad. We don't have any hills here. I want to learn it. So dump myself in Whistler, learn how to snowboard. Came to Calgary after a year because it was just too too, um, too transient, that place. And it was just a big resort, right? So I, I come to Calgary and uh, started to building some things up there because I wanted to just like – I never lived in a city, man. Mm. Like my town was 2,000 people. So, and, and cities always scared me. So I'm like, well, what better way? I'll move to a city with a million people. Ah! But because of that, I was then – taken away from all the things that I'd loved growing up. Like, you know, it was an hour to get away. And Denby and I did a really good job of getting out to the mountains and we hiked a lot and uh, we saw, spent a lot of time in Kananaskis. It was, it was kind of as, as, as remote as we could get with as least amount of driving. Mm-hmm. So we, we did, we really, really spent a lot of time doing that and getting to know the area in the region. Um, and then uh, we did kind of had two, two, um, episode to that and in between we went to Europe because I, I wanted to learn a language I'm like this is great so we go there do that thing get immersed in that transition our our brain completely into a whole new way of understanding things and then um and now we are back uh, we're in Victoria BC same thing I wanted to seek out nature so now it's like a 20 minute drive 30 minute drive in uh and we don't even need to drive anymore and this is the beautiful thing is I wanted to park the car. I don't want to drive anymore, dude. Mm-hmm. Same here. <laughs> yeah, so that that was part of the reason in coming here. Smaller community. Um, the mindset's very different. Like, I, dude, I, I met a guy yesterday. Um, somebody that just contacted me on Facebook. He's like, "Hey, man, I, I like the work that you're doing. I think we could drive on a lot of things. I'm going to be in the area. Can you make some time?" I'm like, "Yes, absolutely." So I we hung out yesterday together for a few hours, and uh, the dude's brilliant. He's, he's a lifelong martial artist like me, so we could jive on that. 
Um, he understands all the, the, the nuance of, of what that means. The most humble guy, which is very evident, and that's what you'll find is somebody that's been very confident, right? They don't, they're, they're not a douchebag. Mm-hmm. They have nothing. Right. Uh, so he was very approachable, very gentle, and but strong at the same time. Like he just had this strength. So in talking a little bit more, I didn't know much about him. Man, the guy's a genius. Uh, he's uh, showed me um, wild plants to harvest, where to find them, when oh, to find awesome. them. And, and as we talked more, I realized like, oh, this guy's legit. And as I started to learn more about his history, yeah, he, he's done and worked with some incredible people. And um, before long, he had his bow kit out, and uh, he was showing me how to use a bow drill on the beach. And I made my first fire. That's know? so awesome. It was awesome. I had an awesome day yesterday with this kid. So unassuming. But it's just testament to the knowledge and the wisdom that's encapsulated on this island, man. Like, it's rampant. It's crazy, the amount of talent that's on this place. And so I made the joke when I was going from Calgary, which is, um, if you don't know, uh, the audience, it's uh, close to the, it's kind of like borders the Rocky Mountains. So I make this joke. I said I wanted to change or trade in uh, elevation for vegetation, which is what I did because now we're on a, you know, we got old growth rainforests here and it just backs up. I, I, you know, I can go in one of three directions and end up on a beautiful stretch of coastline. And um, I'm just across the water from Washington. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, man, like I can't say enough about this island. I'm just learning. And I don't know how to surf. I don't know how to do any of these things, but you know, give me a couple of years and, and, and that's going to be my, the new normal for me. And uh, that's really what it's all about, man. So if you're, if you really want something, you have to make sacrifices because kid you not, I had a good thing going in Calgary. I was super comfortable. I had a full roster of clients. I didn't have to advertise. I didn't even have to talk about what I did. Uh, it was great. It was very comfortable. Nah, too comfortable. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I really, I, I love challenges, you know, I really love kind of putting myself out there, being the new kid, not knowing anybody, because then, like transitioning, you know, kind of get a chance to reinvent yourself. Right. It's powerful stuff, that transitional period, because not only, it, it can be scary, but man, it has a high degree of potential, because all the cards are on the table at that time, and it's like you just throw everything out there and you see where it lands, you know, and you have, sometimes you have no control, little control. But it's about through um, experience in that and just having an open mind and being flexible and being adaptive. And as Morgan says, you know, always staying in beta, then you start to be able to create something out of that chaos. And that's a, it's a big piece of the puzzle for me. Exciting, man. It's really invigorating, you know, it, and it is, it's scary and it's daunting. And, uh, but that's, uh, that's part of it, man. Making those necessary changes for transition. It's it's not always comfortable. And and typically doing the right thing is never comfortable for me. You know, I've adopted cold showers recently, doing the Wim Hof method. Not comfortable whatsoever. I don't care where you live and what part of the country. Um, it is an uncomfortable experience. But again, the, adap- the adaptations, they're quick. That's what a lot of people I don't think really understand is um, getting out there and putting yourself out there, um, these these adaptations, if you do them consistently and what how Stefano is saying, you know, with discipline, 
these adaptations to our bodies and our minds can actually come at a very rapid pace because this is something that we are used to doing as a species. These things that were that he's mentioning, being outside, putting yourself in different environments. What it sounds like is you just put yourself out there to be in those type of opportunities. You know, you create these opportunities for yourself by getting outside of your comfort zone. And that's what I want people to understand from this podcast is, you know what, if you like what he's saying, if you if you if you jive with what Stefano is saying, definitely go check out more of his work. Yeah, yeah, you can find me on the website, you can find me online, um, and social media too, uh, Captain Stefano, at Captain Stefano, both Twitter and Instagram. I put a lot of my sort of ruminations and ideas and movements and such on there. So like my main platform right now, and that started off as a, a little project and blew up into something I didn't expect so that that was really cool so thank you to the, the people that have been following my work i really appreciate it wouldn't have that without you and i wouldn't be doing here i wouldn't be talking to you without that so that's yeah. it's really cool man but you're right um you really have to kind of put yourself out there and uh it, it gives you a good opportunity to like i said to reinvent yourself and challenge your belief system and experience discomfort a la cold showers and I'm on the same page with you man I run cold as it is and so for me to put my cold self in a cold shower it sucks but you just build you go from I think the timetable the really simple thing is like what five seconds ten seconds mm -hmm. 10 20 seconds 30 seconds and 45 a minute whatever it is and man when I came here too it's, I never thought that I would do it it's like the ocean honestly freaks me out it's because 99% of the stuff that's in the ocean, you can't even see. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> wild. And I have no understanding of this ocean culture, you know, and, and which is another reason why I moved here. I want to learn. I want to sail. I want to deep dive. I want to spearfish. I want to scuba. I want to surf. I want to do all these things that I have no language for. Yeah. Um, and so give it enough time with little bits. First, it's just the cold exposure, man. I said, I've got to get used because this is the North Pacific, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's not California. No, not at all. But, I, you know, I, the craziest thing happened when I – back in, I think it was late October, I was on the just, – just hanging out on the rocks as I, I love doing. And, uh, man, something came over me. And before I knew it, I was, I was naked in the water. And I was like, I don't know how it happened. Uh, it, it was very not really myself and something that I would, but there it was, you know, and it was like, honestly, it was like, and I'm not a religious person, but it was like a baptism. Yeah. Real quick before we wrap this up, I'm from Southern California, specifically Fountain Valley, which is adjacent to Huntington Beach, which is, they dubbed themselves Surf City USA. And it was funny because I would always be driving along uh, on PCH, Pacific Coast Highway, which is the highway that goes I mean, it goes from Southern California all the way up, and uh, I never really experienced the ocean that much. I would go there, but because it was a couple miles from my house, I was just jaded. I could see it. I was there. You know, I've done plenty of bonfires, been in the ocean, but it was never my element. So for me, it was, where can I go to get, just like you said, more vegetation? You know, where can I go get more vegetation? And that's where... Um, I moved to the Bay. You know, I wanted to be surrounded by ancient growth redwood trees. I wanted to feel dwarfed by nature. And that's what I got here, man. I step outside, and although I live in an apartment, it's so much more green than where I came from. And like you, I can go take my car, maybe 15-minute drive, and I'm already in the mountains, and it's gorgeous. And that's that's how I like to spend my time. I, I want more people to get outside, take take things a little bit slower, 
and um, get outside of their comfort zone. So, uh, Stefano, thank you for joining me here today, man. Um, I hope we have many more conversations. You're a cool dude. You're a cool dude, man. Yeah, thank you. You got some beautiful facial hair. Again, Beard Brothers. Thanks. I just cut two and a half, three inches off it. I like calling it the Zeus. Yeah, it was pretty Zeusy. Pretty mean. <laughs> Cool, man. So the main places they can check you out is stefanotripney.com, your Instagram account, and also on Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, Stefano Tripney. It'll be in the show notes, I imagine. Absolutely. I will put all the links and everything else that we have um, that we spoke about in the show notes for sure. And also go check out movement.com. If you want to get uh, you know deeper into the philosophy, I just, just kind of hit a couple of bullet points, right? But go check out what they're doing. It's great. I'm really proud to be part of it. I'm actually, I've just been brought on as a certification teacher as well. So I'll be um, traveling and doing some uh, some certifications now in uh, not too much time. So I've got one more shadowing event that I have to do. I'm going to go learn with the man himself. Well, the, the, the second in, in charge, Rick Verdier. I'll be down in uh, Portland shadowing that. Nice. Uh, beginning of March. Possibly down in Costa Rica doing something with some people down there. Oh, super fun. End of uh, March, I've got a workshop, an elements workshop, which is a one-day course. And this is new for MoveNet. They're offering these elements courses, which is good because you don't have to commit a lot of dollars and a lot of time. It's just a very affordable uh, six-hour, one-day course. So I'm offering that here in Victoria. So that's going to be the first time. And I'm actually proud to say that uh, I'll be starting some classes, some regular classes coming up. So... This is good, and, and I think that it's uh, it's just been more embraced by the community here, you know? People get it. They get it. Yeah. I mean, I hope they get it. It makes sense, and when you look at it, it just makes sense as well. It was just like when I heard rewilding or I heard paleo or the caveman diet. It was one of those things like, oh, I had that duh moment. Duh, that's, that's exactly what I've been looking for, or that's what I've been trying to do this entire time. I, You know, I, that duh moment, if you have a string of those, oh, it's isn't that liberating? Oh my gosh. It's so, so doing this. So it was funny because I, I, I had come from the supplement world and then I had found myself staring at the pages of some health magazine and it had the caveman diet before it was typically called the, the paleo diet. That's where I got my start, you know? And then as I went through, I just realized how can looking at my life through the lens of a 21st century hunter gatherer gardener, how can I apply these different principles to other aspects of my life? And before I knew it, I heard Daniel V, you know, our buddy Danny, and he just, you know, he blew my mind. Again, it was one of those dumb moments when he said rewilding, that word just encapsulated everything that I was trying to do with my life. So at the heart of ancestral health here on this podcast is rewilding, undoing the process of domestication. So Stefano, again, thanks for coming on, man. We'll definitely talk soon. Just have a beautiful rest of the day. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you. Hey, I'm always here. And uh, people in the audience, thank you. Yeah.
Thanks for tuning into this episode of Ancestral Health Radio. If you like the podcast, then do me a quick favor and head over to iTunes to leave an honest rating or review of the show. This helps improve the show's ranking and visibility with other would-be hunter-gatherer gardeners just like yourself. But if you can't do that, I'll totally understand. We're still cool. But maybe you could share this episode on your favorite social media network, or at the very least, continue the conversation with myself and the tribe on the official Ancestral Health Radio Facebook page. But whatever you do, remember to check out all the resources mentioned earlier in this episode by reading the show notes at ancestralhealthradio.com. Yeah.